Howdy ho there, Jesse. Time for another episode of the Carpet Fide Podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. You just never know what I'm going to say, and your face says it all. <laughs> no one can see your face right now, but... I lasted a good 11 seconds before, before, <laughs> before cracking up. What the heck's wrong? I don't know what's wrong with me. All right, a little late night podcast here, so uh, excuse us for any tired ramblings that may occur. We'll try to keep them to a minimum. Um... Tonight we're going to bring for you, bring to you, the title, which Jesse has titled, Finding Forgiveness in a Cancel Culture. Yes, and half of you just said cancel culture. By half, I mean three of you. Said cancel culture. (laughs) That's a boogeyman phrase. That doesn't exist. That's not real. Calm down, everybody. Just calm down. All right. And be better. Yes. We're going to uh, give you a little... uh, I guess it's like an opening treatise where we will kind of outline our, our problem and uh, kind of let you know how you know we kind of got to the point of discussing this topic, and then try to ask these uh, ask some ask a question and and the the problem of the question to get us to to the word and and what is true, uh, particularly about why our culture is where it is and how just really sad it is. My my other possible title was um, a graceless place, and I think that's sadly kind of where we find ourselves. So here's here's kind of our opening statement: We have created a culture that will take old and new offenses alike and use them as weaponized morality arrows to take to make themselves feel they have the moral high ground and authority. We want to be better than, not just right. There's no discussion, even in the face of genuine and obvious change in the person. If they did something that is on the outside of the cultural mainstream morality train, they are thrown off unceremoniously with their luggage and family as well. Yes. And and that's that's where we live. That's why this is a graceless place. I'm glad you agree, though, Jesse. Thank you for agreeing. <laughs> yes. Uh, when when you were penning that, uh, that, that accurately sums up exactly where we are with, with the cancel culture. And if you want to turn us off by thinking that we said some cancel culture and you disagree with that. Well, congratulations. You're part of the problem, but we have solutions for you in this episode. So stay tuned. Yeah. And here's the joy. You don't have to use the term cancel culture. It's fine. What we're saying is we have created a place that allows us to take, um, maybe, maybe even mistakes made currently or, or mistakes that are hundreds and hundreds of years old, right? We, 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 we can take mistakes that someone actually did, or mistakes that we can just attribute to someone or some group. We can take all these mistakes. It could have been 20 years ago. It doesn't matter. If the mistake was made, then that person is not allowed place in society, in culture. And and that's, that is a graceless place. And the reality of that is no one wants to live in that place because no one is safe. Everyone screws up hard. Yep. All the time. So if you want to live in that place, then then fine. Turn it off. Disengage. That's that's fine. If that's where you enjoy living, but know that it will come for you. It will come for you. Whatever phrase you want to use that that actually is. If you don't like the term cancel culture, that's fine. You don't have to use it. But that doesn't change what is happening. That that we are judging and erasing and and removing anything that we deem as having had or or actually having 
been outside the the realm of mainstream moral thought, which is an ever moving target. Yeah, that's right. the problem, isn't it? There's no well, there's no culture. Obje- yeah. yeah, right. There's no objective standard there. We haven't gotten to that podcast yet. No, objective subjective needs to be a podcast. Mm. Mm. Maybe it'll be our maybe it'll be our our Romans commentary. Like Martin Lloyd Jones, maybe it'll be our magnum opus. Of, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think. Well, will it take us like five years to do? Because <laughs> then, yes, it'll be just like Martin Lloyd Jones's Roman series. Or will it take five years to listen to? <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> so, uh, Jesse, we had some questions. We really wanted to direct our focus of this whole idea. Oh, I guess we should probably tell you where it came from. I guess more. Or yeah, less. yeah, yeah. So. Um, Albert Muller does a podcast every day, which we recommended before as a, a great kind of morning podcast. It's a light news roundup, usually three topics talked about in about, about 40 minutes. And they don't, they don't, they're not very long podcasts. So each topic doesn't get necessarily a ton of time. Um, but they're very uh, insightful and, and have a very good biblical perspective on, on news, uh, issues. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the mid- biggest mainstream news that you've heard of. It, it could actually just be something that's poignant to talk about in light of a Christian worldview that's happening in culture. But one of the things he talked about most recently uh, was an, an article from, I believe it's the president of uh, Wesleyan Seminary. And if I have that right, I don't want to attribute something wrongly here. Uh, yes, Michael S. Roth, president of Wesleyan University. Um, and he wrote an article entitled... It's an op-ed, but it's entitled Forgiveness in an Age of Cancel Culture. And he writes this basically as a, as a narration or, or observation of a class he did in which we won't get in, we're not going to get a ton into the article itself, but he wrote, he, he wrote this in, as a narration of what happened in a class he was doing. Um, the, the class, he doesn't actually, I believe, say the title of the class, but it's a class that combines, this is from the article, combines philosophy and literature that begins with Confucius and ends with Spike Lee. So whatever you want to interpret that to be as far as a class goes nowadays, um, that's what this class was. And he was... Sounds pretty typical, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> I mean... There's no, there's no wonder when you, if you're going to start with Confucius, ending with Spike Lee seems like that may be the end point you're going to get to if you're going to start with Confucius. You, you've laid groundwork to get to, I guess, Spike Lee. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> he, he explores this conversation that he tried to have on, um, on forgiveness and love and, and those ideas inside of uh, Western morality more or less as he's <clears throat> as he's unpacking it um it's just this amalgamation of um just what students are saying and doing and interacting and and it's a discussion happening in a college class but really all i could think of was these are 20 year olds that have never contemplated once what forgiveness is <laughs> like problem <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this goes back to our, our one of the things we said last week, where you know, if if you want to if you want to be a Christian, you need to be in a church. If you want to claim name the the salvation of Christ, you must be in a church. Because he ends the article with, of course, they may have set aside their inclinations to censoriousness and wrathful judgment because they were in a directed classroom discussion. But I would note that they didn't need much encouragement; they just needed, as we all do safe enough spaces to work through the complexities of reconciliation and of forgiveness. 
And mm. both Jesse and I had the same thought. What was that thought, Jesse, we had? Thought was, sounds like they need a church. Yeah, these kids need a church is what they need. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you what. I mean, we, we just wrapped up community group not but an hour and a half ago, and we had a very... A very, um, it was extemporaneous, but a very deep and, and thoughtful and biblical discussion literally on forgiveness, trust issues, how reconciliation works, when you should reconcile, when you start trusting a person again. So, yeah, it definitely sounds like they need a church. It's definitely a lot cheaper than paying $8,000 <laughs> at Wesleyan University to I'm sure finally and first contemplate forgiveness. <laughs> I am sure... That at Wesleyan University is calling costing more than eight thousand dollars. No, I, I meant the class. Oh yes, yeah, no, that's yeah. probably right. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, um, yeah. Depending on how much you tithe, you're 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 you're. <laughs> no, no, anyway. no. Yeah. Either way, John West. Either way, I'm pretty sure John Wesley did not have any problems explaining what forgiveness and repentance was like from the Word of God. Sure. And he would probably want to smack Mister. I'm sorry. What's his name? Scott. Somebody. Michael. Michael Roth. S. Roth. Rot in the face, and be like, "What are you doing? This 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 university bears my name, man." <laughs> he sounded like that for sure. No, yeah, he probably didn't. <laughs> and then he's like, "Show me where the parents are for thine <laughs> children's here, and I shall slap a them as well." Yes. <laughs> Good so, paddling to the face. <laughs> this is not how John Wesley talked. We are we are. It's a joke, everybody. No, it's probably not how long. But it could be. Um, so with that being said, Jesse, what are some questions we'd like to actually get to here as we deal with this particular topic? I'm yawning again. I'm sorry. That I was keep, a bad handoff. I should, I, um, well, I couldn't. <laughs> unfortunately, my telepathy did not work. That yawns were coming. <laughs> All right, I'll just make this hand motion when I feel want to come out. So the the question uh, the questions here that we have here coming off of this article, which will, there will be a link in the show notes to it. So the questions that we have are: Why do so many people have such a hard time understanding what forgiveness is, why it is important, and how to extend it or offer it? Why do so many people have such a hard time understanding what forgiveness is, why it is important, and how do we offer it to other people? And that's really that's really like kind of the crux of the matter of what they were discussing here in this in this in this class. <laughs> yes, they paid a lot of money for this class, and I I am sad for for them actually. Right. I mean, they they, they talked about we talked about all sorts of things like uh, you know ex boyfriends and girlfriends and family matters and and all of this stuff. And some of them were like, "Oh, I never really thought about this before." And it's like, well, boy, boy, are you missing out on life? Um, but, but yeah, so there's, there's definitely a disconnect between how people live their lives and the importance of things, right? I mean, being able to forgive someone plays such a crucial and important role into... Being able to forgive someone? Understanding what forgiveness is, yes. why it is important, and how to extend it no, plays, yes. such a, so it plays such an important role yes. in how we relate to one another as human beings. It really does. Um, and it's, it's, it's really quintessential because if you don't understand this or if you get this wrong, you have a very high potential to live a very crappy life. Yes. <laughs> a very good <very> life. <laughs> and, and might I say that, that if you don't understand it and, and, and know how to practice it, really this idea of forgiveness and what what is clear also he actually mentioned in the article of the term repentance um which all, all comes down to that whole idea of reconciliation if you can't do that we do live in a graceless place 
No one wants to live in a graceless place. Right. You are not safe. I am not safe. Because we will we will we will fall. We will wrong other people. We will create offense. And 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 I'm, I don't mean the perceived kind where someone decides that you've hurt their feelings and whether or not those feelings are necessarily true or not. We have to evaluate those things. I mean, you will actually offend someone, and it will be because you did something wrong, and right. you will need to repent. If we don't have that, like if if repentance doesn't mean anything, if, if saying I did something wrong and I am turning from that thing to do something to do the right thing now. If that doesn't mean anything, because we don't understand forgiveness and how to actually have it, then there's no point in repenting. One right. of the things that I think that's, come, that's become the most, that's one of the most harmful things in our culture is now, is there's an idea that that don't don't apologize. When you apologize, you've already lost. That's because there's no grace. There is no forgiveness. Apologizing is useless. It doesn't mean you have actually moved towards anything. And maybe that's because... Right. maybe There's no forward progress with right. apologizing anymore. Right. That's, and that's maybe it. that's because it's become just words. And that's also a sad thing, too. There's many sad things at play here. But it all boils down to a graceless culture, which is not a place any of us can actually live because we all suck <laughs> at different times right. and in different ways. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like with a lot of the scripture we've compiled already... That we have yet to say, but we have compiled. <laughs> like we're we're walking right down right right down a Romans line here. I mean, so th- this first this first point and this idea that none of us are safe is Romans three twenty three. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's there's no one that's safe. And I, I was I remember talking to a friend you know several months ago. Like you know a lot of times we think of like the the big sins, right? You know, like the adultery, the murder, the the lifetime of hatred, the, you know, like the, the really gambling big, away your entire financial sure, yeah. future. We, we think of the really big sins, but what we fail to neglect is, is all of those little relationship sins or sins that happen within a relationship to one another that, that have even, even a more profound, you know, effect on how we live our lives. Like, so for instance, right. Um, for instance, um, if I tell my wife a lie, saying that I was, I was one place and I was really another, and, and that breaks her trust, like, that has, that can have deep and abiding consequences, you know, obviously depending on, like, was I at Walmart and I was actually at ShopRite, like, that, that's not, that's not the type of thing I'm, I'm saying, like, I mean, like, in, intentional deception, trying, trying to th- make someone think something else of you, like, telling, telling an intentional lie breaks, breaks that trust, that bond, in marriage that's so crucial to it actually functioning well and and you're actually hurting deeply the one that you would claim to love the most on this on this earth right like you we, we don't think of the profound weight of of those types of sins you know in their context very often we you know when we like even tonight when we were talking about forgiveness and reconciliation and, and trust what was the first thing we talked about adultery yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a big one. But but I, I mentioned slander, which is, you know, which can be just as hurtful and just as devastating depending on the context, mm-hmm. like you rightly pointed out. But it's it's deceptive words used by someone to undercut who you are and what you're actually about, which our culture is also about slander. But <clears throat> but that's that's a different podcast. But just that a lot of these a lot of these small small things that we treat as small things aren't actually small things and especially not when we compare it to the holiness of God. Yeah, one of the things um this is this the Jesus this teaching's probably bordering on 18 years old now, but one of the things that um 
Paul Tripp in Biblical Counseling said is that it that life is not made up. Of, it's not your monumental moments. It's in the mundaneness of everyday life where actual where the actual big things happen in life. Right. right. Yeah. It's the little moments and the little things that we mess up so often, and 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 can be free and can frequently do. That's where the the large the large portions of life are lived that actually makes them the big things of life. Yeah. And, and if we can't understand forgiveness in these, in these, in, in a real way, then we won't be able to move through those portions of life. And we will constantly be carrying around either guilt and shame as the person who commits, commits these offenses without understanding forgiveness, or we will be carrying around the, the shame uh, and bitterness of the one who has had these offenses committed against. And that, that is not, a, it's just not a place where we can live. It's not sustainable. Right. It's unhealthy. And it's, 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 it's crippling. Um, so, I mean, I, I think there's some definitely, there's a, just a, a ton of scripture we can get to tonight. We can walk through, uh, we'll walk through Romans and maybe we'll, we'll be able to get to a couple more as well. But, uh, this, Right off the bat, I just want to say because we're about, if we're going to talk about forgiveness, there's got you got to be honest. Forgiveness is unfair, right? And I think I think that's the problem we have with it in our culture right now. It's unfair. So, so why why, why is it unfair? What what, what part about forgiveness? <laughs> well, makes let it me tell you why it's unfair. <laughs> forgiveness is unfair because it. It's a, in a, it's a situation where I am go, where I am either and I mean we'll we'll discuss this as we're we're in the scripture, but where either because I am prepared and ready to forgive, or I have actually forgiven someone that is seeking forgiveness in in a full process where someone is repenting and we are reconciling and I offer forgiveness, I'm handing over my my right to to revenge and retribution. For the wrong, I'm handing it over by offering forgiveness. My personal retribution is gone because I have forgiven it. And so when we think about it, we, we, we don't necessarily have any of the practical scriptures that would show this up. But we can think of forgiveness, the easy way to understand that is to understand debts. So if someone has a debt, right, in an accounting manner, and that debt is forgiven, the debt is wiped away. Mm-hmm. So you can easily understand that what I'm saying from that. So a, ret- a retribution there would be that you owe me that, right? Okay. And if that debt is forgiven, what I'm saying is you no longer owe me that. And that's why forgiveness is unfair because that that will never that will not be claimed when you offer forgiveness. Yeah, I mean, just think of the just think of the parable that Jesus gave talking about the. You, you, you know, you remember the, the the king who had a servant who owed him a certain amount of money, and the, a large debt, a, a, lar- a very large debt, um, and you know the the king actually actually forgave him his debt and didn't actually give him the justice that was due him for him not repaying it. Right. But then that servant went to his own servant who owed a much a significantly smaller debt. And he actually choked the man up and threw him in prison because he would not pay, and and that's that's 
and, and it was actually told to the king, and the king brought the other guy back. Wait, wait, don't go there yet. We'll save that for the end. Okay, we'll save it for the end. Because that's there's a lot of scriptures around that. God, Jesus talks about that. Paul talks about that. Uh, it's that's a pretty that last part is very intriguing to the scriptures as far as forgiveness is concerned. Yes, <laughs> it's it's it, it's it's really really interesting. And and to put it, many New Testament scriptures talk about talk about forgiveness and and placing it right in right in the courtroom of god right yep you know we have the whole concept of justification where where our, our debt has been paid for the wages of sin is death jesus died for, as the payment of sin for us the perfect sacrifice that could wash away the sins of the world that debt was paid there on the cross and so there's there's tons there's tons of scriptures that place it in the courtroom and, and talk about it as debt um, that we owe and and you know as we mentioned earlier we're all touched but we, we're all soaked in the stains of sin um, no one in this cancel culture no one is safe right yep and that's that's what makes it that's what makes it scary that's what why that's why we need to return to an understanding of forgiveness in our culture because um, there again no one is safe right. no one is safe from this type of, of mistreatment um and and I, I I won't live like that because that's not how my God has compelled me to live. I must live a life of forgiveness and right. I must live a life seeking repentance. Yeah. So let's let's start out with Romans six, six through eleven. It's a larger it's a it's a few verses long, but it, it kinda has that idea of so when when we talk about forgiveness we, we have to place it in the context of of, of identity like who we are because in christ we're we're new creations and so that that gives us a perspective on forgiveness that is that is unique to people whose eyes have been opened by the holy spirit to the truths of god and so romans uh 6 6 through 11 says for we know that our old self that is prior to christ was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Now, the reason this is the reason this is important, the, the reason that I, I, I added this to the list of <clears throat> to the list of things that we need to talk about is because like that parable that Jesus taught about the king and his servant, we must understand our relationship to God as sinful in order for us to actually frame the conversation of for human to human forgiveness appropriately i have written down here that in reference to the article that self-directed discussions on forgiveness will more often than not miss the mark we must frame forgiveness with the glorious word of god and and this truth this comparison between sinful man and holy god is so important to actually capturing the idea of forgiveness because our debt was very large our debt was like the debt of the servant and and that was paid on the cross by jesus by god himself by jesus himself and so we then turn 
and offer forgiveness of the smaller debts to other people. So that's that's kind of that's the perspective that we're dealing with when we talk about human to human forgiveness is that we we have been forgiven much and so we forgive. That's that's the attitude of of a believer. Absolutely. So the uh, uh, this is what we're outlining is a biblical framework here to understand forgiveness by. And this is what we do. So you don't like it, tough crap. I mean, you don't pay for this, so man. You go live a pouty puss <clears throat> life somewhere else. Yeah. Listen to some other pouty puss podcast. Yeah, pouty puss. That's a word that people use sometimes, not really. <laughs> it's used. Until I make it a sticker and sell it on carpetfeeder.com. slash shop. So, one of the interesting things is when, when we're framing it, in the idea of Romans 8, 1 to 2. And I'm sorry, you started with Romans. Yeah, you did. Romans 6, 6 through 11. That's what you just read, the long one. Um, when you frame it in Romans 6, 6 through 11, what you have to understand is the debt owed in this that's being forgiven is not just a large debt. It is a, it is a, um, it's an infinite debt because it is a, a debt of unrighteousness against a infinitely righteous God. It is a debt that will kill you. Yeah, it, it's not something you can. It's not something you can atone for. There is no atonement available when your sin is against God. Nope. The weight, of, sin the weight of which God. will crush you. You cannot bear it. Right, and and right off the bat, we have an example of forgiveness shown by God for us. This is where forgiveness stems from. Forgiveness is a part of God's economy, and that is why forgiveness must be a part of our economy. It, it, it really, it must be. So to understand that, right, I think that kind of leads us to why it is important, right? It, it's important because if, if we do not have this, we will fail to apply something that must be a part of a fallen world that god is over mm -hmm. it's it's a part of the framework in a fallen world see before a fallen world when 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 there is no sin there is not the need for forgiveness right but as soon as sin happens forgiveness need be a part of the structure of that world it's it's more than just a part of it it is the it is the most important part because without forgiveness, we are left dead in our sins. Yeah. It, it is, it, it is a big enough deal that Jesus Christ, the God man, the perfect man, the creator of the universe had to die to atone, to pay for, to account for the huge cost of the weight of, sin itself so that forgiveness can be had by his people and Indeed. and so it is literally when we talk about the cross i mean we're we're, we're talking about this on on whole, uh, during holy week when we talk about the cross and forgiveness forgiveness is literally the crux of the matter for all of humanity because it is the thing that we, which we most need it is necessary for eternal life is that forgiveness. Amen. And so, 
that's why you're right. It, it, it is why it is so important because w- without it, our entire lives are lived missing that mark, missing the whole point, being mm. crushed under the weight of sin. It just makes for so many sad relationships, and, and that's what I, that's what scares me about culture. We it's so good. We, we lack the ability to have to have meaningful relationships and maybe that's because we can have our relationships on social media and 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 that's not really a relationship at right. all um but i mean that's 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 probably another podcast another <laughs> another script is it okay if we move forward in the yeah I, no i was gonna i was gonna say away that right there well hey what is this is a great segue there you go we have the same same here same same Romans, uh, I was going to go Romans 8 next before yeah, Romans 12. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, all right. Romans 8, 1 through 2. Romans 8, 1 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, Romans 8, 1 through 2 says, There's, there, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. I want to put the right emphasis on that verse. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Boom. I love the no condemnation. The, the, the qualifier to no condemnation is having, is being found in Christ Jesus. Um, this is, uh, this is one of the ideas of being baptized into the life of Christ that we are, that when we, when we, Accept the fact that Christ, Jesus the Christ, was God and man who who did what we could not do in our place. He was able to die not for his sin, but for all sin. He was able to do that because he was God incarnate. He was God and man. And so he was able to die in my place. We're about, when we celebrate this, this, this Easter uh, Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ... We celebrate the thing that that without there is no reason to celebrate. Um, that is that Christ resurrected. He lives now and rules and reigns. He has conquered sin and death. Um, the problem was, I think this is the problem today as we try to make God into our image. Um, literally, God. We try to take the, the biblical idea of God and make him into our image. <laughs> what a dumb idea. But when we try to do that... Um, we we remove this this aspect right from god these aspects like resurrection to new life Mm -hmm. that we because what we wanted is we wanted god to come and conquer the the terrestrial enemies that we see in front of us the things that are here that we find to be our enemy um and what he said is no i've come to conquer the, the actual enemies the enemies you need me to conquer right the enemies that you cannot deal with that you need me to conquer that is sin and death right um, when we make him into our image, we say things like, oh, I don't know, I heard a famous uh, news personality say that um, uh, God isn't God doesn't judge uh, this past week. I, oh. believe, I believe he was a, he's a French guy. Ill-informed. Think, he's a French guy. I think his name is, is Don Lamone, maybe. Don Lamone? Don Lamone. Um, <laughs> what a moron. Um, <laughs> Do they not have Bibles in South Africa? <laughs> he's... Don Lamone is not from South Africa. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. I think you're thinking of another 
<laughs> no, I'm pretty sure he's like from Chicago, I believe. I could be wrong. I think he's from a major city. Oh, yeah, no, I'm totally wrong. Yeah, I, I believe you're... Who am I thinking of? Uh, oh, that other guy. Elon Musk? No, 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 uh, no, no. Uh, the funny guy, the comedian guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, what's his name? Uh, um, real young guy. Um, uh, oh, oh, can't, it's there, but it's not. I know you, I can see him. And he, he's talking, he's... Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. He's, uh... Ah, I'll link in the notes. God dang it. Oh, fail. Oh, now I gotta search duck I gotta duck it. Duck it, baby. Duck duck it. Anyway, but, but before I duck it. That's with a hard D to be cleared. <laughs> duck duck go. Alright. Oh, there's another bumper sticker we gotta make. Alright. Um So but but yeah, so this idea this idea of no condemnation ties into what you were saying earlier about forgiveness not being fair. Because because when what we justly deserve, the wages of sin is death, right? That's, that is what we deserve. But when we are forgiveness, when, when we, when we are forgiveness, when we are forgiveness, there is now no condemnation. So God lets go of that condemnation. Mm-hmm. Right? There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And, and so that, that's the part that's not fair. Now, that's not to say that there is never justice to be met out. Forgiveness and justice are not mutually exclusive things. We mentioned that as we were talking yes, before. Yes, yes. You know, for instance, um, you know, we, the, the thing I usually go to is, you know, a, a convicted child molester doesn't get to serve in the Sunday school ministry, right? There, there's, there are consequences. After his prison sentence, <laughs> there are consequences for the actions that you take on this earth, and that is the government's responsibility to deal out injustice and righteousness and truth compared to God's. Go back in the podcast episodes and listen to that. But, but there, there can still be, and there should still be, in many cases, real practical consequences for sin, but that does not mean that we are not to extend that forgiveness or, or be ready to extend that forgiveness to that person because we have been forgiven of such a great debt by God. And this is, I mean, this is where the unfairness comes in, right? Um, I don't know why you had to use child, I mean, I understand the child molester Sunday school analogy, but man, you got to go pick a really, just really rough. Oh yeah, there. no, I know. Well, it's, it's really easy to make sense. I, there's no one that's going to be like, oh, no, let the molester serve in Sunday school. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no one's really going to. You say no one, but I feel uh, like what you mean to say is there shouldn't be anyone. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, maybe a more apt example would be... What um, is that guy's name? If someone so defrauds you uh, financially, um, let's say you're part of some sort of insurance scam, right? Um, you can forgive that person, right? And, and as it... it as a biblical perspective would say, you 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 must, because of your the forgiveness given to you, forgive that person. It's unfair to do, right? That doesn't mean that a judge will not ju- enact justice on that person and make them give recompense to you, restitution to you for what they defrauded you on, right? right? Or, or also, along with that might go uh, a, a, to serve some sort of time or community service. Those things may happen. That's That's justice for that. But you must forgive them. That is releasing your your right to lay claim to their guilt, right? You, you release that by forgiving them. And that's not fair. Mm-hmm. 
But the problem is when you don't forgive, you, you will simply mix up the poisonous cup of bitterness and continue to drink it yourself. That's what you will do. Yeah, I mean, and you, you, you've got, you've got yeah. this, this statement in here where if, if you don't, if you don't forgive, don't expect forgiveness from God. And that's directly from Matthew six fifteen, which says the teaching of Jesus, which says, but if you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive your offenses. That's how, that's how crucial forgiveness is. That's how practical forgiveness is to the Christian life. Well, you can't just jump there. It's down there for a reason. But we were talking about it now. <laughs> no, well, we were talking about it at the end when of the story of the parable of the the unrighteous servant. The end of that is when God comes in and says, oh, "I'm sorry." The master comes in and says, "You wicked servant! That giant debt I forgave you, and you held your brother in contempt for that measly debt." Right. That's the whole example of that. That's what happens. That's the result. God, this this is a and this is a, so we'll just we just talk we talk about it. Well, this has been another episode of the project. <laughs> <laughs> we, we talk about it now. We talk about this concept is all over the scriptures, right? If if you don't forgive, oh, do not expect about. God to forgive. And this is where we come to a, what I think is a crucial understanding from God's word that that speaks to our culture, right? In the Christian life, Martin Luther, um, when he was hammering them theses in, one of the one of the th- statements that he made is that the Christian life is one marked by repentance, but additionally to that, it's also marked by forgiveness. Those two things are integral to the Christian life. Now, when I say the Christian life, I, I'm going to say this clearly: even if you want to reject Christ and reject the truth of the of of that salvation. The biblical construct is how the world can actually function rightly. You must practice forgiveness and repentance, even if you don't see it as any more than a temporal thing because life cannot work without it. It is an eternal thing. And, and so for the, for the Christian, you cannot live a life that is not marked by repentance and forgiveness. Right. And the Bible says that if you don't forgive, do not expect God's forgiveness. And this is where I turn to turn to think um, very, very clearly that if you are an unforgiving person, what you really need to remind yourself is, is, is of your Savior. Because if you, th- there may be a disconnect in what you believe about God. There may be some, some disconnect there. I don't mean for a person for, for who struggles with forgiveness and, 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 and really has to get there to extend it. I mean a person that does not forgive. You don't deal with problems. You don't acknowledge them. You don't seek forgiveness. And you don't offer forgiveness. There's a there's a disconnect there that is concerning. Because that is both not repenting and not forgiving. And, and if you can't do those things, if that's not something you do, you just don't do that, then I would question whether or not you even understand who Christ is and what Christ did. The basis of salvation itself. So this isn't a whole, like, if you don't forgive, then you'll get to heaven and you'll say, I accepted you, Christ. Uh, but he'll say, I'm sorry, uh, you accepted Christ, but I don't forgive you because you didn't forgive. What I'm saying is, if you don't forgive, that may be a clear mark that you actually never actually accepted mm. Christ and who he is. Because mm. if you can't understand forgiveness at that level, then you can't understand the sacrifice that Christ actually made for you. And that's a hard at, word for a podcast. At, at, the, at the basest level of understanding that we could possibly have, Unto salvation. That's that's what I mean. Because I don't think we'll ever fully comprehend the sacrifice that Christ made until we are 
until we are with him and see him and can understand far more than we can now. I just mean in the basis sense, the understanding of what the transaction actually was for us. Um, you know, if you if you if you choose to withhold forgiveness, then then you are not living like a Christian. Right. Can I do? Are, do you want to talk more about the parable? Because I, I pulled it up. We can. I can actually read it quickly if you'd like me to. Or should you like to move? Would you like to move on? You no. Uh, you should reference. Uh, give the exact reference so that uh, we can. We've got be Matthew clear. Matthew eighteen twenty one through thirty five. Yes, Matthew eighteen twenty one through thirty five. So that'll be in the show notes. The link in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, but the whole context is about forgiveness and confronting because earlier on in Matthew 18, you have, you have, um, the confrontation passage. What do you do when a brother sins against you and is unrepentant? You know, you, you have, it's the, the whole chapter is that ironically right in the middle there, it's a, you know, you know that, you know, that old passage that says, uh, where two or three are gathered, you know, in my name, in, in my name. Yes. Yeah, ironically, that has uh, the direct context of confrontation, not online church services. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, we what, that's talked... what Jesus was talking about when yes. he said that. Yes. Well, yeah. you mean that when you and me and uh, and another guy go to the bar, that's not a church service? No, no. What? No. But we're two or three gathered in your name. No, that's not. That's not what that. Means. And here we go, and when we're just clinking. Clinking glasses, and we yeah. say Bruce for Jesus, and we pray over our beer. That's not church. No, no, no. 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 So I mean, it sounds like a great time, but it does sound like a good time, and it can be a glorious, God, godly time. It just doesn't. It's just not uh, church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Online mm-hmm. church in church hashtag. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You were trying so hard not to have that come on the mic, <laughs> and the tale of the tape will tell. <laughs> so our last scripture we wanted to uh mention here jesse is uh, romans twelve nineteen. would you like to um read it in a moment when you're done do i have that written down yes i do oh okay. boy do you so so yeah so the, the other the other idea right so you referenced micah 6 8 earlier you know when we were discussing yeah yes, yeah so yes. did you did you justice to love mercy to walk humbly with your god so you know the the idea of of exacting justice, right? We've got many great TV series on that. You know, I'm thinking of like The Punisher, because that was fantastic. <laughs> Any vigilante, really. You know, you've got Batman and and other such. Things. I'm Batman. <laughs> All right. Can we edit that out? No. <laughs> Rats. Um. But, but yeah, so, and, and we mentioned earlier about how, how forgiveness isn't fair, about how we then relinquish our own, our own right and sense of, of, of what that justice is to that person. We, we get to, (laughs) got it. (laughs) We, (laughs) Justin did the hand signal for the yawn. (laughs) None of you could see it, but I wish you could. (laughs) Um, you know how we relinquish that up, and and we choose forgiveness instead. And Romans twelve nineteen is is such a great reminder about that. So he says, Paul says, friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath, because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. Those those acts that you want to do are not yours to do. 
right? We can't be the punisher, you know, and, and God, God is a perfectly just judge. He's also perfectly powerful. Whatever that person needs, God will give them, um, whether in this life or the next. And so when we choose to forgive, we live in light of that realization that I am relinquishing up any, any, any bitterness, any malice, any ill intent toward that person um, in that sense. And we are laying that before God for him to do with as he wills and pleases for that person. And, you know, if we're dealing with an unbeliever, our only hope would be that God would save them. You know, right? That, yeah. that that God would show them the forgiveness that you received. You know, um, that that can only be your hope for that person. You know, maybe your maybe your relationship's broken beyond beyond any sort of wise reconciliation on this earth, but you can still desire for true repentance and true forgiveness for that person. On God's behalf, so that He doesn't have to mete out His justice on that person, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, you know, which which is just a crazy concept when we're talking about really heinous wrongs, right? I mean, people do really bad things to one another, but but again, God has forgiven us so much, so much more. Anything that anyone could possibly ever do to us is nothing compared to the weight of all of our sin placed on Christ on the cross. Mm. Nothing compared to it. It's so good. It is. Um, so, yeah. So, but what do we do quickly, Not maybe not quickly, but before before we wrap up, we should definitely talk about what, what reconciliation is. Um, compared to, compared to forgiveness. Um, do you want to talk about that? Or do you want to save that for a different time? <laughs> you mean the process? Just oh, just what just what reconciliation. Yeah, so sorry, I was just thinking because, of my favorite revenge movie. So here So you, you just brought me into that whole world of vigilante justice and I just went to my favorite revenge movie and then I couldn't remember what it was called and then I remembered what it was called. So uh, Trevor Noah is the name of the guy. Yes, Trevor Noah up top high five. So no, but, but, well, but here here's why I think we should at least mention it, right? Because because No, we can mention it. Because yeah, because because we've got people that have been deeply wronged. Absolutely. And who have struggled with forgiveness forgiveness like many many like we have and many of our loved ones do and what we don't want to sound is trite nope no we do not want to give you a platitude so that you can put it on your wall and you know you can stare at the uh the cat poster and make yourself feel better right that says hang in there that's not okay no no so what (laughs) what it is um that forgiveness does is it, it was so so a biblical process of forgiveness um, and we'll put a link to an article that I wrote a long time ago uh, called Processional Forgiveness. Um, Procedural. Proce- processional. Processional? Processional forgiveness. Okay. That there's a process to forgiveness. And that's basically a process of reconciliation. What it is, um, it requires, so the scripture requires you, uh, let's be honest, you cannot actually enact forgiveness um, in a complete process unless someone repents. But you can be ready to forgive, and that should be the the uh, the modus operandi of a Christian. 
um, of a person who's going to want to pursue who God is, you, you should be ready to forgive. Now, this is not easy. This is, again, it's unfair. It is incredibly difficult. Correct. Right. But you can't actually complete that transaction of forgiveness unless someone repents. And so it takes both someone repenting of that act for you to be able to forgive them. Now, one of the things that this, this opens up is the, the, act, the, the, the proactive nature of relationship. Right. If someone has hurt you, don't just like hold it in. Talk about it. Because there are times when someone has hurt you and it could be a misunderstanding and there was no actual wrong there. And then other times there's an obvious wrong. Either way, you don't hold on to that. You approach and pursue that person. Um, and that, that, and, and you approach it and pursue it with the intent of offering forgiveness. You, you desire, you must desire to reconcile. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we do, when we have that desire to reconcile and we approach it with forgiveness, then our heart, in our heart is vengeance isn't there. It's, it's the, the desire to, um, to forgive, to love and extend that in forgiveness as opposed to seek our, our, our comeuppance, our recompense for the wrong. So when there's a, when the process is enacted, either someone comes to, someone they have wronged in repentance or someone goes that has been wrong to seek that repentance ready to offer that forgiveness um and that's that is what reconciliation is did i do a fair job is that fair yeah fair job or not more i mean so so no i don't think so (laughs) go after yourself Real nice, real nice, buddy. Real nice. Well, no, you you have you have this idea. You you the accounts are reconciled, but the relationship may not be. So, so right? So you followed me here. <laughs> so when when you go and you confront somebody that's sinned against you, you you you're, you have forgiveness in your hand, ready to ready to give it, right? Right. And and that person says, "I'm sorry. I apologize." What? What you're telling me, that's true. I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? Right. And they, they take the forgiveness out of your hand. Right. Right. That doesn't necessarily mean the relationship automatically returns back to normal. Did I say that? You, well, you said that's what reconciliation is. Didn't we already talk about this? Didn't we already talk about the fact that... For- <laughs> Didn't we talk about the fact that forgiveness... Doesn't always make the process make it make everything correct, right? Because there's there's a, there's parts that that are are that have um, consequences in the relationship. Right, right, right. But but I I've always I've always viewed reconciliation as more relational, not necessarily the actual accounting. Forgiveness is completed and accomplished when that happens, but I don't think reconciliation is fully accomplished. I think reconciliation may never be true. True and complete reconciliation may never be accomplished, necessarily. Oh my gosh, what are you talking about? I guess we have to go <laughs> off mic. No, no, go right ahead. No, but the, I mean, I'm it's, here. We're engaging. Let's talk. Well, I mean, there's there's complicated scenarios. You know, someone's in jail. Someone you should. Someone you. Someone you and your church body and 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 other such things is not wise for you to actually resume that relationship where it left off, right? I I do believe there are those scenarios, and we know that forgiveness without reconciliation can take place because if you forgive someone, 
for instance, on their like this is a crazy hypothetical, but like on their deathbed, you can forgive someone, but you don't you don't get to actually truly see what a, a life reconciled looks like with that person. I remember we did we did a a, a conference on um, on sexual assault at uh, at a church in the past, and one lady came up to me and she was she was so thankful that we were that we were doing this that she was struggling for a long time and her husband who was abusive had died, and so when when we talked about forgiveness and what reconciliation looks like and and that sometimes there's sometimes that reconciliation back to what was quote-unquote normal isn't always possible that it really it made a lot of sense to her especially since her husband was dead and so so while i think that 100 percent true true and actual reconciliation can be accomplished and should be the goal i don't think that it's necessary in every circumstance i think it can be normative without being uh, 100% every time. Can she forgive her husband? That's dead? Yeah. She can live in light of that forgiveness, I think. She can live right she can choose. Forgive. She can choose not to be a bitter. Right. She can She can choose to live because a life that's not a life on... of forgiveness already. Right, correct. But she can't reconcile with him because he's, he's dead. He's not there. However, when someone seeks repentance or you approach someone and they repent and you offer them forgiveness then you have reconciled that issue that 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 issue is reconciled right which is why i said there's obviously consequences that can be borne out perhaps the relationship is not the same dynamics can certainly change but that is absolutely what reconciliation yes i think practically we're saying the same thing i think that we're just yes i think i think i think i think we did like i said like i said the the account is reconciled we did the linguistics thing here where we we You know what? Sometimes it's just good to have a little chaos on the on the podcast. It really creates flavor. Hmm. One of the things I was thinking about when we talked, as you were mentioning, there was when um, and I don't. This it, it's this feels like a lifetime ago, but I don't know if you remember. This would be back in 2019 when uh, Amber Geiger was the police officer that had arrived home to the wrong apartment and shot, shot oh, wow, the yeah. man who she, mm. because she was in the wrong apartment. Oh, man. And, um, and... Do you have the link there? Send it to me. Sure. I I'll can put that in the show notes. Um, the brother, the brother of the man that was killed. Um, so, it's very, it's very common in, in, um, in courtrooms that the, the defendants, especially if it's a deceased, the family member gets to, family members can, can speak in the uh, courtroom, particularly before sentencing. Um, and uh, he just offered complete forgiveness to mm. her. Um, and I remember some dumb guy on Twitter, some dumb, probably a, probably a bishop or something, Swain or something like that, was just, was just, belittling this man for offering forgiveness um to to this woman because the man was the man that was killed was black and he was black and she was white and i was just so disgusted but it's one of the most beautiful things to watch and then the judge herself offers her bible to Mm -hmm. amber geiger to take with her Mm -hmm. um and And that that if i remember correctly that started its own yeah that started a whole other thing and here's here here's the thing 
our culture didn't necessarily like that. That's what our culture needs. Mm. Um, and and that that right there, she she can just like you said, she couldn't actually reconcile with the victim. The victim is mm-hmm. deceased. Yeah, but what the brother did is offered his forgiveness, um, and and knows um, that because of his faith and what his brother believed about God, that 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 is what he would want for her is forgiveness, mm-hmm. and that's. That's as clear a picture that, that as you can. One of the most clear pictures you can get uh, of forgiveness. Yeah, is that, that him was, offering that and 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 hugging her. Oh, in the crying! Corner. Oh my gosh, that was beautiful. That really, really was. Absolutely, you're right. One hundred percent. I am ashamed that that has left my memory, but I am thankful that it's well, back you know, <laughs> in a news cycle that revolves every twenty five seconds. <sighs> uh, October third, two thousand and nineteen, is an eternity ago. Yeah. Um. I I, th- I, don't, I mean I think we were pretty exhaustive in this. I don't want to keep belaboring this uh, this point. I think um, a great way to I don't know if you're okay with sum up, a sum up a a little yeah 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 is that right yeah, that's fine. I think we've hit all of our notes pretty well. Right yeah absolutely. Um, we're approaching Easter, so this Sunday is Easter Sunday, and on Easter Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there is no better way to understand forgiveness um, than the fact that Jesus Christ came not to fulfill the Jews' desires, which would be to overthrow Rome and establish his throne in Jerusalem right there. That's what they wanted Messiah, anointed Savior King, to do. He came to overthrow the absolute eternal enemies of man, sin and death. He came to overthrow them by extending to us his righteousness in forgiveness. He, for, he, through his shed blood and resurrection, he conquered sin and death, saying, If you simply receive my sacrifice, you are forgiven. It is because of his forgiveness that any of us can truly understand forgiveness and actually begin to enact forgiveness. So I would tell you to take that. Mm. Take that this Easter week um, to the bank with forgiveness. And let's create, gosh darn it, can we create a culture with grace in it? A forgiving culture that has grace upon grace because, by golly, we need it. I need it. He needs it. And you need it. We need grace. We need forgiveness. Without these things, we will have miserable relationships and hard lives. Mm. Yeah, amen. That's the long and short of it, my friend. Fantastic. Uh, I think we should... Is this a good time to say special note that we're going to have a couple of uh, items pre, pre-order pre coming up soon? Sure. I we mean, could it'll, say it'll that, It'll right? probably be Super available imminent. to pre-order by the time we post this on Friday. Yeah, that's correct. Oh, that's right, because we post it on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there'll be a couple of pre-order items up on our website. We will have a couple of shirts. We're working on some stickers. Ooh. Who doesn't like stickers? Slap Ooh. one in the back of your car. And see if you can't really start an engaging conversation with someone um, over a very important cultural topic. Yeah, put put it on your cheap car though, just in case something bad happens. <laughs> oh right, you right, right. Don't, like, don't don't put it on your nice car. Put yeah. it on like the beater car. You know what? You know what I found? Uh, it make when, it beaten? <laughs> when you have a really when you have a really expensive Mercedes, you're not often putting bumper stickers on it. You know what? That's yeah, fair, 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 fair true wrong. point. 
True point. So uh, I guess we're just shout out to all you college kids out there. <laughs> no, hey, look, put it on your laptop. Put it on your put it on your your bag, or put it on you know whatever whatever you kids do with stickers. I don't know what you do with stickers nowadays. I find laptops are great places for stickers. You use your laptop, you open it up, put it on the lid, put it on your little trackpad. Oh, don't put it on the trackpad. Not on the trackpad, but next to the trackpad. Oh my god, you know what I meant? That would be horrible. Don't do that. I failed. You sound like such a boomer right now. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm, a, I'm actually know, a millennial. Not. Yeah. But I'm actually first half millennial. Yeah, you're like first gen millennial. That's correct. I am first gen millennial. Mm-hmm. The one that lived without cell phone and with cell phone all in our adolescence. Kinda. Same, same. You yeah. used a typewriter and you used a computer. What? Oh, no. I didn't use a ty- I probably did use a typewriter. Like, for fun. Wow, did I use a Really you didn't, think you didn't use a typewriter. I used a typewriter. You didn't use a typewriter. Yeah, I mean, you. at best, you probably used a word oh, DOS. Processor. I mean, I remember floppies, three and a half and five and a quarter. I remember floppies. Oh, yeah. We remember them? We, we, we did some floppying back in the day. Yeah. Oh, gosh. We should have cut this podcast off a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, everyone, check out the carbafide.com slash shop. You'll see some stickers. You'll see some pre-orders. <laughs> totally Don't forgot forget, we were talking about that. Come and take it. Come and take it. Uh, Pulpit Shirt is actively up for sale. Um, and, uh, and I guess that's it. So, uh, as always, seize, seize the, the faith. faith.